Today's episode is brought to you by Mattress Firm. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. So does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise, but know this, they are more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed, from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. Score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. Welcome to the JJ Reddick Podcast, where I interview some of the biggest names in sports and culture, as well as give you an inside look at life in the NBA. Very excited for this week's show. I had the chance to sit down with one of my dream podcast guests, literally one of my dream podcast guests, actor and comedian Jason Sudeikis. Because I have gifts in my head of those moments happening throughout my yes. life with Tyrone Lou or a fellow Brian Merchant. I remember him dunking on me so hard at the Athletic Club of Overland Park. And I just stayed down like I was hurt because I didn't want to hear it. I just stayed down like, oh, oh and so nobody could be like, oh, they were just like, oh, everybody it went like, oh, oh, shit, you okay, dude? It's like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, that was instantly, it's like, I get why people flop. It's mostly just so they don't get gift. I talk with Jason about his best SNL stories, the Beatles, and why playing against Ty Lue was his come to Jesus moment that he's not going to play in the NBA. That's up next. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick Podcast. I have one of my dream guests on the show with me today. It's Jason Sudeikis. Jason was nice enough to join me for what ended up being close to an hour and a half of content. We've, we've condensed it down for you, the listener because him and I went on some random tangents that we deemed uh, unworthy of putting on the pod. But it's a lot of stuff we talk about, and Jason was a very, very gracious guest, invited me into his, his home in Brooklyn, and we sat at his dining room table and just chopped it up. It was, it was really awesome. Um, before I get to Jason, one quick thing. Um, I know that I have been in the news over the last few days, I um, released a statement on Twitter on Sunday night regarding a video greeting that was recorded for the Chinese New Year. Um, I've said my piece about it. I don't know if I can explain myself any further. I've, I've essentially said my piece, but I, I would like to take this opportunity one more time to apologize and, and say that I'm sorry for anyone that was offended by my mishap. All right, without further ado, let's get to my combo with Jason Sudeikis. Otis must have been 
Otis, well, Otis's first game was a Clippers game. Me, me, yeah. it was me, Forte, Otis. Forte was in full on half beard, half. I, I remember that game. Yeah, half skull, like half as. So half do his, you remember what year that was then? That would have been twenty fifteen, right? Okay. Twenty sixteen, twenty sixteen. Yeah, because he would have been. Two. Otis was born in twenty fourteen, right? Twenty fourteen. Like my yeah. oldest and Otis are about the same age. Yeah, he's April. Because I was with my oldest Knox, walking down Abbott Kinney, okay. Venice. Yes, and I see Olivia. Yep. And Very conspicuous. At the time, my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, who still works in PR, was was on Olivia's team over at PMK. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And so I said, you know, as Olivia passed me, I was like, oh, that's Olivia. I was like, Olivia, hey, what's up? And I, you know, introduced myself. You know, I, I'm Kylie Kilgore's, uh, you know, brother-in-law or whatever. And uh, we introduced our kids. And she says, you know, this is Otis. And I turned to my son, Knox, and I said, yeah, this is JJ. <laughs> And then she started talking. I'm like, there was this like awkward like five second pause, and I was like, "Yeah, his his name's not JJ. It's Knox. <laughs> but my name's Knox. No wait, no, no. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't because I was like nervous. I, I literally I was trying to say something about you. I think sure, like, sure. I'm a big fan of Jason, or you know something sure, like that. Yeah, well that yeah. and and that's sort of what came out. That flummoxing that that's flummoxing flummoxing the people to say that they're a fan. I mean, they, they, it would be. Um, yeah, that would rattle most folks. I would because uh, go on record. You're kind of like, oh, she'll tell him this, and then I'll have to then I'll have to watch a bunch of stuff he's done. If and I it's gonna be weird him. the next time I see it at Clippers game. Hey man, I hear you're a big fan. <laughs> like I come at you like that. <laughs> I remember in high school, my friend Brandon telling me that a girl that I had a crush on was gonna be at this party, and 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 then we get to the party, and at some point I and I called her. I was like, hey, I heard you were going to so and so's party, and she's like, yeah. I was like, okay, hey, I think I'm gonna go too. See you there. And then we get there. I see Brandon there. I go, hey, so where's where's Julian? He's like, oh, dude, I was I was fucking with you. Can we let us swear? I was I was like, what? That's not cool. I called her. <laughs> it was like horrible. It's so embarrassing. So it's all right. You're fine. That's bad. It's worse to have have that happen at 18 than whatever age we are all are now. Yeah, we're all like thirty. I'm comfortable enough to to say that to someone though. Like, yeah, yeah, to say that you're a fan, fan of someone. Yeah, for sure. Me too. You got to. I think you're it's you're you're a sports fan though. You're you're a basketball yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you like, played growing up. I played growing up. I did. Yeah. My 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 joke or like sort of. The way I'm always like, I know all the rules. I know the okay. rules of all the games. But but would I say I'm a fan? I don't live and die by it. Like you know, friends and certainly uh, you know coworkers of yourself. You know, like the you haven't paid. adopted. The Knicks or the Nets? No, or... we did a Knicks a little bit when we were living in Manhattan. I'd love to, uh, you know, adopt the Nets um, at, at some point. I, I think it'll, it'll take maybe, I mean, just for the neighborhood. I mean, we only live 10-minute walk from here, you know, 12-minute run, oddly. Yeah. Longer if you run. Uh, but <laughs> Very weird. There, yeah. Very weird. <laughs> but we, uh, and I get winded when I, when I walk, though. Um, but I... Um, but yeah, we just haven't haven't made that that step yet. I, I don't want to blame it on them and their front office moves. Okay, you know, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I was going to. I, th- I thought I was going to sign with them this past summer. See, that would have done it. Things happen. You know? But you know, you live here instead, and you go you go yeah. to Philly, and part of that that's that's you know. That so I read this. I read the story that you played against. You played against Ty Lue. Is this a true story? The, the Cavs coach is this? Uh, yeah, in yeah. high school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so Adam Levine told me the story one time about. Yeah. I think he was like a sophomore in yes. at in high school at Raytown. And yeah. Baron Davis was like an oh, eighth. Ed, Ed no, Levine no, no. was a sophomore. Adam okay, Levine sorry, was yeah. a sophomore. Yeah. And Baron Davis was like an eighth grader, and uh-huh. Adam thought he was awesome at basketball. Adam <laughs> and he had to, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to play, play against Baron Davis yeah. in like a JV game, and Baron had like sixty five <laughs> on him. And he's like, "Oh, maybe I'm not very good." So, is that like the similar experience that you had? Not, not quite that that 
demoralizing. But he was a sophomore when I was a senior, and we played against each other before because I was playing in a, at a school in Kansas at that point, and he was playing at Raytown. Uh, even though he was from a smaller town in Missouri, but he, um, but yeah, no, he was markedly better than me. Like, at, at some, I think it was through AAU that I realized, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm probably not gonna do this for a living. You know, or as much as AAU, I think expanded my horizons as many as many in many ways. Because at that at that point, the conventional wisdom, and it may still be, you know, that white men can't jump, but all it takes you is going around and seeing a bunch of you know kids from Tennessee or Indiana like jumping out of the gym that that are of the same hue as you, and you're kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess everything you hear growing up, <laughs> that's all just sort of you know, you know, specific and and. Prejudice is maybe not all true. AAU <laughs> taught me that, uh, but um, it, but I think it was somewhere around. It was somewhere probably around uh, co- like freshman year of college. I was playing in community college. And I was like, I was like, oh, this, yeah, this isn't. I, I genuinely think it was going through the lane and getting hit in the face, like during practice. And I was like, why? What am I doing? Why am I bothering with this? Like, this isn't gonna. It, it rattled me. I never went to the hole ever again. And it was like that was enough for me. And I and I and I'd already had a foot in the door, like at least an interest sure. in doing what I you more or less get to do in yeah. a lot of ways nowadays. That that I was like, oh, I like that. That I don't get hurt, and if I do, it's just emotionally, and that's you know, <laughs> feelings aren't facts, and you know, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't that aware <laughs> at, at seventeen, eighteen, but yeah. I feel like every kid now, seventeen, eighteen year old, thinks they're like gonna be in the league, and I don't yeah. know if that's always been the case. But like every kid that I, I see come is. through, like I think the seventh guy at Monmouth College yeah. thinks that he's gonna play in he's the got league. A shot, yeah, I mean, decent shot, absolutely. No, I mean, I feel the same thing's going on with the White House right now. Everybody's like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I can be, I can do that now. Uh, that that makes sense to me. That was like the training center when we said it when we did Second City in Las Vegas. Everybody thought that they were coming through the training center. Oh, we'll do this for a year. Yeah. And I'll be on SNL. They'd ask you questions as like your teacher. You'd be like, "So what? So what do I? I do this for a few months, and then I, SNL auditions." I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But that's not normal. If it was, it was, a, it was an interesting thing. We didn't have the because um, again, this was in Las Vegas versus Chicago, so we didn't have the uh, infrastructure of the community around that sort of weans you off of your." Um, Hopes and dreams, I guess, you know, sort of bats you down a little bit. Sure. Maybe maybe people are dealing with that in their own individual communities and their their band of followers or whatever, like where they think, oh, my shit doesn't stink. So there's a good chance if I just show my highlights on Instagram yeah, and the right person saw it and I had a good, you know, a good tryout. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm and 11th, you, you I'm check, 11th you man. You check on the your Hawks. comments, and yeah, everybody's exactly. got you the fire emoji, like, and you're like, "Oh god, I'm oh, I'm going to the league. I got a, I'm I got going a, to the league. I got a light from a Van Gundy. I assume he's a Van Gundy, the coaches, or as a commentator, uh, he must have in somewhere. He's a Van Gundy. That's like they're the NBA's Kennedys. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about your career uh, yeah. from the start, actually, oh, because yeah. um, how far back? I believe you were, you know, you're. Raised in Kansas, and, yep. and then you went to Chicago, Vegas, NYC. I maybe forgot a few things, but it's it, it's uh, it's a conversation I had with Pete Holmes. Do you know mm-hmm. Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went on Pete's podcast. Yeah, and I listened to that. Yeah. He uh, he talked about the grind mm-hmm. as like the separator mm-hmm. for for comedians, yeah. and you know, obviously stand up, improv, different things. But um, what was your experience like with the grind? Because yeah. he called it, you know, the great separator, and it, it at times. Or it is the reason that people kind of don't make their dreams because they they get beat down and the grind gets to them. Yes, I would I would say that, that makes so much more sense to me in the um, in the stand up world. I think I, I, I gravitated towards basketball and and team sports um, 
because those were organized. They didn't have organized sketch groups, you know, and, and, you know, maybe they do now, but they didn't when I was growing up. So you played sports with your friends. I like playing with people. Uh, and so when you go through the grind in the sketch and improv world, and, and I believe also in, in athletics, especially again, team sports versus like tennis or something or track, it's like you are, um, you lean on each other. You, that's the grind becomes, you know, dispersed amongst, you know, 12, five, seven, uh, however many straight white dudes can fit on your improv stage. Uh, but like, it, it's like, it didn't feel like a grind. Like, and even when I look back on it now, none of it, none of it seems hard or bad. But I, I, I do have memories of in Chicago, uh, like uh, especially that first year of feeling like I, I, I got better like in a month and then I would just plateau for like three months and then you get better like in like a two week period. And by better, I don't even know what I could mean because it, you don't watch game film. You don't watch your improv show. You get notes afterwards, but even then the notes you're talking about more about channeling your instincts and your, and your, um, cause you never get to redo it. You know, right. it's like, it's, it's so is it's it gone. like a comfort is a confidence thing? Like wh- what is so. the, what is the better? But I think we can, we can, I can measure yeah, exactly. stats. It's, it's fairly easy for that me. That was to a trick. That. that was a tricky thing to sort yeah. of accept. I sort of had to go the John Wooden approach and just be like, if I just do as the best I can, yeah. then the scoreboard doesn't matter. Cause there is no scoreboard improv, you know, like they, they tried to, in, in some little mediums of it, like I did a thing called comedy sports where there was, you know, like a team, there are two teams and a, and a ref. That was like literally my transition from sports <laughs> to comedy was comedy sports. So that was that was easy, but it's all fake. It's you know, quote unquote fake. You're not really competing. We're just trying to give the audience a good show, and it's like the Globetrotters, you know. Except you didn't know who was going to win. Uh, there you go. There's a, a so there's a, but there's a there's a level of camaraderie that's appealing to you then because yeah. I, we have a we have a coach on the Philadelphia 76ers, Jim O'Brien. He's been a head coach in college in the NBA right. for three teams, I think. He's um, he, he's an older gentleman. Yeah. And he's made a lot of money, yep. and he's done everything you can do as a coach. And I'm like, why the fuck are you still doing this? And he's like, I just love being a part of a team. Yeah. And and for you, that was that was the appeal. Yes. Yeah. To to to. And I think it was also uh, some level of of you know was it perf- was it part showman? Of, yeah yeah, yeah per- the performing part yeah the, because the, i always gravitate yeah. towards that even when playing basketball yeah. I, I you know and i'm not even being convenient with you know speaking with you about cuz the line is very blurry for me like i would say only in the past 7 years did my metaphor switch when interacting with people from being um you know basketball to like snl snl you know sometimes when you're in the arts when you start talking about athletics you lose people because of yeah. a predisposition towards not liking or they're conditioned uh you, you know from whatever not playing sports or thinking right. that they shouldn't know anything about it and vice versa so so then snl became the metaphor so it, when i speak about it you know I, i'm talking about the same things in a lot of, in a lot of ways but i would say that basketball and and comedy was just about yeah funny friends I just had really, really funny friends, and it, it was always something, you know. And but, but then for me personally, I know looking back, even though I didn't take you know theater classes like in grade school or or, or it did you know plays in high school, I was a hot dog. I was like of the Pete Maravich, you know. I loved Magic Johnson, you know. I loved. Uh, I was bummed to not that I ended up not deciding not to play in the celebrity All Star game because I would I would have loved to have met and actually play with or against Jason Williams. Like that was my you know Jason style. Williams, yeah, white chocolate, white chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like that was my style of play. Both uh, um, and knowing what I know now is like, oh, that's me performing. That was me performing 
in the base in the in the confines of a structure and a t- and with a team but i you know if there was a chest pass or a through the legs pass i'm going through the legs every time you know that was like <laughs> uh and i like that and i liked i liked you know sort of the legend you sort of hear of pete maravich and his father the way they would talk about it. it's like it's showtime we're having we're at, it's a game we're having fun all right we're going to take a quick break from jason to hear a few words from today's sponsor Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite NBA team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually used SeatGeek the other day. I was looking up tickets for some Philadelphia Phillies game once the MLB season starts, and I'm looking forward to using SeatGeek to buy my tickets. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. That's promo code JJ for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. And now back to Jason Sudeikis. So I get that that sort of... uh Desire to play that way, that yeah. skill set, if right. you will, on the basketball court. I get why that would translate exactly yeah. to comedy, but there's got to be some sort of aha moment where you're like, "All right, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go into comedy and yeah, moving. I'm to gonna Chicago. test this out. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that, I got lucky because I started doing it in 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 um, like kind of after I did like workshops in Kansas City. We had a great improv theater called comedy sports in Kansas City that was you know they would sell out Fridays and Saturdays all the time I saw when I was a fresh I think freshman in high school a kid that I grew up with went to was from North Kansas City so he knew about it because it wasn't something we knew about in like the the southern burbs there in Johnson County and so we I went to go see it like some weekend maybe homecoming or something like that and I was like oh this is great and there it was basically like whose lines it anyway uh but I don't know if that show was on television yet. I just knew about it from Second City because uh, my folks were from from Chicago, and I had relatives that did that. So like I was aware of improv, you know, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. I think even as like a term, um, and and so yeah. So then I um, it was wanting to do it, and then I got to do it a whole bunch before I moved to Chicago. And so moving to Chicago would have been like the aha moment. It was the decision to like jump in with both feet and try to do it. And then I just sort of got lucky in a lot of ways, but then had a certain amount of aptitude for it all uh, that made the path a little more accelerated than maybe people had had, at, you know, um, or, or that it was, it was, it was rare, but, uh, but what I wasn't was it, what, was the, what was the time gap from like moving to Chicago to like becoming an SNL writer in 2003? Okay. So that would have been, yeah, that would have been uh, six, about six years, Okay, six years. Yeah. I moved there in, in September of 97. And then, then I was there for, you know, about 
you know, f- till uh, September of 2000 when I moved away to go to Amsterdam to work at Boom Chicago, which is a sketch and improv theater that, like, you know, Seth did and, and Jordan Peele and a t- ton of great folks did. But um, And then I came home and then went to Vegas. And so then, yeah, but then I was there for, like, two years, nine months. So, like, the... So it was split pretty evenly between Chicago. When and was Vegas. when was this this blue man? Group, the blue man for that would the have been phase. my blue phase, my blue phase, <laughs> uh, my blue period. Uh, that would have been in uh, that was in, in Vegas. Vegas. That was in definitely Vegas? in Vegas. Yeah. So you had this quote yeah. about the blue man group yes. about why you were like yeah, yeah. enamored with it. Yeah. And you even like pl- tried out for the band Definitely, or something yeah, yeah. to play a blue yeah. man got flown so in New York. The quote, the quote was, "It was an absolute reaction to wanting to be anonymous and silent." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet at the same time, powerful and funny. Yeah, yeah. Which I is is an interesting juxtaposition, and I certainly can relate to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah, because there's the there's um, like I like I enjoy relative anonymity. Yes. For 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 what I do and who I am. Yeah. I'm not because you're I'm not, not LeBron feet. James. No. Um, your normal I'm, size. Yeah, I'm not an able, Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I'm like, like just at the cusp mm-hmm. where I'm like six four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still get to do something where I I like have a power. Um, yeah. There's a there's a relevance to it. Mm-hmm. Um, where 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 in your mind is Blue Man Group relevant though? Like that like that that was yeah. weird. that's a weird thing to me. That it, it was weird to my friends in Blue Man Group too. <laughs> they were they were kind to try to you know be supportive <laughs> of me, but then also in some instances uh, instances try to talk me out of it, which I didn't quite understand. But I do I I, I did. But you know I wasn't listening to anybody at that point. It 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 was also in reaction to. Like uh, d- being disenfranchised with Second City at that point, I, I, I've, I and it, it's not indicative of of a theater that lasts as long as it's lasts. I mean, they're in fifty, you know, almost fifty years now, and and do tremendous work out of Chicago. But we had shown up in Las Vegas a little bit under advertised, a little bit underprepared, and 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 at the end of the day, like doing shows for five people, and we're given our our, our all, uh, and you're doing two shows for five people and we couldn't do one show for 10 people because of union rules. So it was like, it was, and then I'd go, I, then our blue man friends who, you know, came to see our very first show. Uh, and then we, we went like that training center that I was saying, you know, blue man guys got it, but like, it was like, you know, locals or people from the West coast that, that were like, Hey, let's take these classes so I can be on uh, SNL next year. Like the blue man guys just wanted to like learn about, you know, improv and stuff like that. So we all became friends like yeah. off stage too. So then I would just go and watch this. and I just see them crushing for like 1200 people Nobody saying a word, international audiences, and I was just I was just taken w- with it. And they also were all like these super cool musician guys that yeah. Kinda, I've, I've been to the show. Yeah, exactly. The show is amazing. It's, the show yeah. is absolutely incredible. And so I was like as in as you could be. Like I got to sit up, you know, in the band lofts because in Vegas it's really really big. Yeah. You know, like the one here is like you know, in, in downtown is like you know, like a hundred people there. Like the entire theater here could fit on the stage in Las Vegas. So it was like this rock show. That uh, yeah, you just get stoned and go sit behind the, one of the drummers, and you're you, you just you, you see them do the tiniest little moves, and the way they would they were improvising with the crowd as the character. I was I was really I was really um fascinated with it. So that small fraction of it was out of being you know frustrated with what with what we were doing down the street at that point. But that all evened out, you know, after um well, I mean honestly, after like nine eleven, where where everybody just kind of like everybody across the country much less the world kind of like got rocked and rattled and I was kind of like oh goodness gracious <laughs> and and then uh, and that was right after I had auditioned for Blue Man and didn't get it like I, my, yeah. I wasn't a good enough drummer so it was like this yeah. weird I was here I was in New York 
staying right, you know, downtown about Eighth Street and like Third uh, Avenue or something like that. And, and these 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 dorms, they had all the guys auditioning for for Blue Men to be in. And I leave, and I was bummed. But they're just like, well, if he works on his drumming, he'll be a Blue Man. That was that was the word that got back to me. Uh, I was like, okay, so I'll just keep working on it. The nine eleven happened, and then our cast went from being nine people to five people, and so we were working all the time. And and yeah, we just kind of dug in deep and then the shows got better and the audience more importantly the audiences got better yeah. and we you know and and then it just kind of like fizzled away fizzled away a little bit um the desire for blue man group yeah the very first show i ever went to in vegas uh-huh. was um it was cirque du soleil sure the beatles yeah it's a great and one. it totally freaked me out sure like, i had to too. leave after like 20 minutes yes like, and Were i'm not you? a beatles fan you're not a Beatles fan. No, I'm not You're a just like, uh, fuck those guys. It's like, uh, when they all sing together, I hate it. <laughs> no, I'm not. How do you go around? They make good music. You're right. I'm just saying, like, they're overrated to me. There you go. Okay. Right. All right. Hey. Yeah. You, you, no one will disagree with you. <laughs> it no, was I'm also kidding. Vegas, and it was like five in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten. I probably had slept. That's like the two only hours. one Cirque du Soleil show that I've seen that I enjoyed. I hated Cirque du Soleil when I was there. I, I was like, oh, I was I've like, seen was, almost every one of them since then. Yeah. I just hated that one. That, that, I was like, how do they audition for this? What do you, you walk in a room and you lift up your brother by your calves, and they're like, yeah, maybe we can use you. It's fascinating to me. That, that the whole... girl that I dated before my wife. Yeah. There was a Cirque du Soleil in Orlando. Yes. I played in Orlando for seven gotcha. years. Okay, yeah, there you go. And the girl I dated before my wife, um, right after she graduated college, right. she was like a cheerleader in high school. And she was like, I'm going to go try to do Cirque du Soleil. And I was like, great. Yeah. Go try. Yeah. And she came back and she was like, I couldn't. I literally could. She couldn't do one exercise. That's what I mean. I, it's insane what they're able to do. I feel like they. Had, it's like it's like soccer in in, in Europe. They like they start when they're real little. You have to be in a Cirque du Soleil family and then then come up. <laughs> but the music was always the thing that made me lose it. So like when it was yeah. Beatles music, you know, or or I had heard tale of them wanting to you know workshopping a Zeppelin show or something like that. I was like, oh, that'd be. I'd love that. I'd watch some you know human beings do some amazing shit to like music really loud that I like. But I'm in the camp of liking the Beatles. I'm one of those rare birds. <clears throat> Go. <laughs> I'm one of those rare birds. Uh, so on, I, I, I've had a podcast before. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, <clears throat> it was on Yahoo and uh, prior to this one. And my, my very first podcast, I decided that on each episode, I was number four for the Clippers. So on each episode, right. I was going to have a little segment called uh, Four on Four. Great. A little plan words. Yes. Like basketball, four on four. Yeah, yep. love it. It's going to be me on four things and it was mm-hmm. going to be every episode is going to be different and the guests could be involved or not be involved or whatever right, but right. on my very first show i decided to do um my four most overrated things yeah and the number one most overrated thing was the beatles <laughs> and i got a lot of flack oh yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a hot take that is, a that hot is the hottest of takes yeah it's, it's <laughs> I, I don't even know it'd be like oh, i don't know i think the american flag's okay looking <laughs> I don't know. It seems like the stars are like a little gaudy, right? Uh, you know, stars. You know, it's like being. Just, I am. This. I know this is bloody. Yeah, birthday cake. Yeah, <laughs> birthday right. Cake. You know, I mean, like the whole everybody's singing and blowing out candles. Like, who needs it, right? Or, who is who is your your musician of choice? Like, who who is God? Who do I love? Well, I love. I'm pretty all over the place. Yeah. I, I would say the one thing, one of the things that I miss dearly about being at SNL, and even though I watch it every time it's on, is is being. Um, you know, or hearing hearing of new artists, even though by the time they get to there, they're um, well on their way. They're yeah. you know, uh, you know, they've at least been in Rolling Stone or something. Sure. Uh, but but 
but then you see, then you get invited to like certain things. Oh, we're going to see this person or going to see that person. Now, as you get older, you know, you, you can't touch your toes as much either metaphorically or physically. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to listen to the same four albums over and over. So then that's why playlists are good. Like you just go on like whatever. Um, uh, Do you listen to jazz? Yeah, but not okay. not not like I, I decided two days ago that you're gonna get into it. I'm gonna get into jazz. Have you have you seen Whiplash? I've been going through a lot this week. So yeah, two yeah. days ago, I was like <laughs> jazz and wine. This is oh my god! <laughs> that's yeah, a, you're a grown up now. That's, a, that's what I'm going, going after. and I'm gonna use valet. <laughs> I'm always gonna use valet. No more pillow parking for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> eight bucks. Here you go, man. I'll, I'll see you in a little. Oh, I get a ticket. Great. Uh, we got a fellow that lives next door to us in the, the garden apartment right next door named Cleve, who is a badass jazz musician. Played nice. with like County Count Basie uh, when he was a young fellow. Every now and then, and sometimes almost like on cue, you'll have the door open here, the window open here, and, the, and, the, and uh, you'll just hear like this sweet clarinet wow. sound, and it's or or uh, or the saxophone, and it's just Cleve yeah. just outside in the in the courtyard scoring this like we're in the middle of a Spike Lee movie, which is fantastic. That's beautiful. It's picturesque. Yeah, it is. But it's like when, when people think of, of like a Brooklyn Brownstone, they're yeah, thinking they're like, of that. They're hearing just, clarinet. They're just, hearing just hearing Yeah, he's doing it. And, every, and then every now and then, he must have instruments down there because he'll have people over and jam. That is great. You, get in the, you know, if, if more in the springtime when the, when the windows are all open or th- that you hear it. Uh, but you should watch Whiplash if you want to get into jazz because I think it's a, good, it's a good movie for especially people that played uh, that are athletes. So I, I'm obsessed. Coach. I'm obsessed with that movie. Okay, well, I think it's go. amazing. Yeah, but the agreed. movie got like this weird back backlash. But yeah. it got a backlash yeah. from like real jazz people that it wasn't. But it's like if 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 I watched I'll talk a shit movie on Studio of, Sixty and Aaron yeah. Sorkin's a genius. But like <laughs> like yeah, you come into someone's house, you're gonna watch a you're gonna watch Blue Chips and be like, come on, man. Yeah. Come I have on. a problem. Did you watch Hoosiers? Yeah. Okay. So I watched Hoosiers, and I, I watched it like every single day when Absolutely. I was a kid. Then as an adult, I went back and watched it and realized that half the scenes in the championship game mm-hmm. are just shot from different angles. So like Jimmy Chitwood will make a shot in the first half. Loss of innocence, right? And then they'll change the angle. Same shot, it's just yeah. different camera. Yeah. And it, it just it ruined the movie for me. The thing that happened to me most recently was that, uh, that Quincy Jones you know, interview. There's just a lot of loss of innocence, you know. Just a lot, of, a lot of things you realize. Wow, I'll be darned. Oh well, uh, but no, it, I yeah. No, and what about Ray shooting the ball with one leg up like that? Come on, Ray, that, don't hot dog it. <laughs> just and why are you shooting so far? And she would shoot. I mean, and all those, you know, two, you know, he's, he's shooting like twenty-one foot two pointers. Yeah. Bad shots. Bad they, shots. they were bad shots. <laughs> no, how did Normandale allow that? Like, I don't know. Oh man, all sorts of things. The, the, uh, yeah, if we went back and watched that, what about the just the. The timetable now of, of Barbara Hershey's character finding that article, like in a what buried, like a, like about about him hitting a kid <laughs> oh, at, at oh, Ithaca, yeah. and it's like yeah. you know, she had to she had to go to like the big town and go the into the microfiche, the, the real just, library. Now you just get put Norman Dale's a Google alert, and you're like, oh, he tried to smooch a eighth grader. <laughs> this guy can't coach for <laughs> here anymore. <laughs> Try to kiss an eighth grade boy. It was his son. Well, still, still shouldn't be allowed to coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of actually Google Earth, it's a great way to yeah, transition back into Glad my next help. question, which was about uh, the internet. No, no anim- right. <laughs> anonymity, being anonymous. No, yeah, I'm very yeah, curious. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this because, I, again, I don't have to deal with this re- relatively. Sure. Uh, you and 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 your fiance, yeah. you guys are you guys are A-listers. So, how, what is your no? But what is your philosophy, sort of? By, all? In, in maintaining your, your, you know, just being anonymous or trying to be anonymous and having a just a normal sort of existence. I make the assumption that I'm anonymous until it's until it's blown for me. Uh, 
And so, like, that's a different anonymous than I was talking about during for Blue Man. You know, okay. anonymous and blue was like literally oh, you're on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where yeah. I was just like one of three. Like yeah. I was just, uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell. And if you saw, if you saw us afterwards, like I just liked that. It was mostly the silence, and yet you could look people in the eyes, and they didn't know who you were. Like there was something powerful about that that I, I was really drawn to, and probably still am in many ways. Um, but, but, um, and you can get more into that in like film acting, I think, than you and television acting than you can like in stage acting, just because you know. The camera's, I'm looking at you, but the camera is from your point of view, so I'm really, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. You, you, you've seen movies. Uh, <laughs> Hoosiers, Five. specifically. Five. Seen, <laughs> exactly. Hoosiers, two three of times. Them you started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go with Nysia. It depends which two. The other three were Hoosiers yeah. and uh, Moana. <laughs> great. And uh, Frozen. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. Well, then, yeah. I know. I, I tried to get in all three of those, too, and I just <laughs> butchered all the auditions. Um, one, I was seven years old during. Um, <laughs> but um, the. Um, I, I assume, uh, yeah, I don't assume people will know. Uh, it sounds like a joke. It sounds like I'm being self-effacing, but it's happened enough that I would say 50, maybe it's less than 50% now, but like, I never know if necessarily people know who I am. Finesse Mitchell, who I worked with at SNL, had this great bit that he would talk about. Uh, after being on SNL for a couple of years, he was snap famous, like where someone would come up to him just like, wait a minute, I know you, yeah, yeah. I know you, you are, how do I know you? <laughs> like, and snap, and I was like, so I could sometimes be in that realm, or they have me confused with someone else, or we're just sort of like me and all, like, you know, six foot white dudes with brown hair, kind of like just get lost in the shuffle. Uh, at least those that have abs and the, those that don't, I, I, I'm not as well known for my abs as, as, as some other, um, you know, fellas. Uh, but but now it's who specifically? Me, I was thinking like Ryan Reynolds. I was <laughs> okay, thinking like okay. who's a, who? You know, when you think abs, that's that's who you, who you go to, right? Um, and I was trying to think. Yeah, like yeah, he's six feet tall with, with abs. Um, that like uh, now, I I just sort of return whatever energy they present. Like it's a it's a different thing now yeah. than than I was lucky to grow up with an uncle who who was well known. My uncle George was on Cheers, so he played Norm on Cheers. So I got to see fame and and the way it, it it affected people or affected a room like whether it be your own family room or your grandparents family room or a, a classroom or a bar you know george went goes walking to a bar in the 90s holy hell that's like you know it's like walking to a dance club with you know timberlake you know you're like oh shit everybody he's gonna drink he's gonna drink norm's gonna drink a beer at this bar and we're gonna see him yeah. it was before everybody had phones on him so it was like you know they, he just had he's had beers bought for him since 1983 he's never paid for a beer i don't think um but he um so i got to see that so then now in today's culture where it's a little bit more um it's not as user friendly i guess it's more just kind of a lot of using and there, and and then people are are, are I, I i attempt to uh, and try to skew polite so uh from jump like not even yeah, when people yeah, approach yeah. me but just yeah. like you know please and thank you that's the way i was raised uh so if people come up and and they're not you know turkeys about it then i'll be like oh yeah you know always say yes to a kid if they if they want a photo uh or someone that you know dresses like a kid no i <laughs> like uh with their kid if i'm if i'm with my kids i usually say no you know i, I just it's I'm, i deal with it in real time and also i'm a human being i get down like anybody so sometimes and yet, at, sometimes someone asking you for a photo can be kind of like feel kind of nice, where you're like, yeah. and, and if they if it's attached, even if they if they if they attach it to something like, oh, you know, people just say nice nice things. I'm not I'm not at a place where I'm like a prop, which is yeah. a, you know, I feel like there's yeah. I, I've, I I saw the way even within my generation of SNL, I saw the way people would would approach like Andy and I. Uh, 
Sandberg, and um, and it was just different than the way yeah. they approached like myself or Bill. Like, and 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 Andy's like a really smart, like you know, a lot of times quiet guy, like you know, very thoughtful guy. So when people go, "Hey, man," like you'd come up, and you're like, "Whoa, it's just a lot of energy to take on." And I, if when presented with that, if I'm in that mood already, then I can usually you know come up to the, to that level. If not, then it's, it can be a little off putting. But I, you know, I. In the, in the snap scenario yes, where someone yeah, yeah, says please, that, yeah. I, get, I assume you get that sometimes. Like, yeah. is there anybody that you ever get mistaken for? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like I made jokes about it, but it's happened. Like, Ed Helms, we, we got, <laughs> even though the people that know us, and yeah. I, I can totally see it, like, uh, from, you know, 50 yards away with my with our eyes squinted. Like, I, I could see okay. us getting confused. Yeah, yeah, but, you yeah. know, either do I. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Ed does either. But, you know, there's probably just confusing dvd covers or, or you know like itunes menus or, or something uh but my my joke are you aren't you in the hangover i go no you're thinking ed helms you're not ed helms no i wish i was checking account that's literally i've said that six sentences or there were five sentences back and forth so many times it's like you know you get used to people uh, coming great. up saying the same stuff oh you're that's not in kansas great. anymore like you know you're like oh yeah you're good call so when you're getting ready in mm-hmm. the morning or afternoon and you're getting ready to leave your house yes and you know, there's there's a good chance you'll be photographed if you go to a public place. Oh gosh, no, no you live. Will. That's that's but that only happens a little bit in L.A. when we were there, but like, and also when we were living in Manhattan. But okay. it, that, it's really the gals that have to deal with that, and yeah. in a tremendously. You're uh, on GQ a lot, though. You are. Am I? That's yeah, not you bad. Are. All right. Well, that's you probably because I'm standing next to Liv or walking next to her. I've seen a lot of solo photos. Best dressed guys of the week or best oh, dressed men nice. of the week. I didn't you make know the that. list, man. That's nice. You that's make nice. the list. Are you conscious of what you wear? like thinking i want to be on that list no no but i'm lucky enough to like i i you know i i um no i i can honestly say that because i think i could do i would do a better job if i consciously thought about See, it i disagree you know? <laughs> this is no this is, <laughs> just like little tiny things just like, i mean i just know i personally feel better if i'm wearing uh clothes that match <laughs> you know what i mean like and i've got i've got friends in, in like the fashion industry one of my good friends this fellow matt baldwin him and his wife emily started this yeah, company yeah, you know yeah, baldwin yeah. like those like matt designed clothes he had a great line he explained to me he's like he's like I, I feel like i designed clothes i want to design clothes for guys that played sports in high school that at some point realized they liked art <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a good that's description me. bingo that's I'll a good it. description and so it's like it's very midwestern very it's, it's not like um yeah. You know, it's not overly baggy or it's not, you know, that doesn't have like drop crotch, you know, or it's not too skinny leg. Like it feels like, oh, no, I'm a 42 year old man. I, but, you know, I still wear a backpack in Jordan. So yeah. it's got that going on, too. I, 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 I this started to hit me like three years ago uh-huh. as I got along further along in my MBA career. Yeah. And like I'm getting older and everyone else is getting younger. Yeah, yeah. And then the streetwear thing happened. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, a, it's a struggle for me. It, it is. is because bet. I'm a I'm a father of two kids and I'm you know, approaching my mid thirties yeah, and right. it's like, what do I wear? You know, you do, you do such a great job. I have That's to, very nice you do, thank you, you do. Thank you. It really, it's, it literally comes, and yet I can see the, but, the evolution from it, but I used to, but I worked at like Banana Republic. Okay. I always loved like accessories. Wait, when did you work at Banana Republic? When I first moved to Chicago. Oh, okay, okay, I worked okay, at yeah. Structure, like, yeah. which was like, you know, Men's sure. Express in yeah. high school, you know, uh, so I always, I always liked it. My dad was always, you know, uh, he's not dressed like, um, 
you know, like Paul Feig or, or he wasn't, you know, sartorial in any, but he always believed, you know, yeah, make sure you're, you know, you got a nice, nice dress shirt and your pants look nice. You know, yeah. he was always, my mom made us always dress up when we go on planes because she was a travel agent. So we were kind of like, we'd get to fly on passes. So it would be like, look nice when you go like on Like in a, a plane. suit? Not quite suit, okay, not quite okay. suit, but, but 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 like a cardigan, like a cardigan, <laughs> like a buttoned cardigan, right? With a tie a little loose, you know. I wear yeah. my my little fedora with a press pass and the, <laughs> my little pencil, looking for a scoop. Uh, no, it was uh, it was really uh, so that was always in my in my in my you know yeah. in my craw. Okay, yeah. So I but I I you know that's nice of you, but it's a credit towards uh, you know having friends that send me you know it's a struggle because I'm like I'm like I'm attempting well not attempting but I am transitioning into sort of being like a minimalist and really trying to figure out you know existentially like what really matters in life and you know i think a great collection of bomber jackets is important yes there you go (laughs) and outside of that for me it's like i I don't know what else i need one pair of boots i'm good you know i'm i'm yeah dress shoes i only have probably about yeah very few pairs i mean but yeah sneakers i have a whole bunch but uh but that's that's a little bit the collector in me as much as it is like the you know like the you you sneaker are a sneaker head. head like I've I mean yes it's, but it, that's one of the things that consistently is on GQ yeah that is, makes sense that makes sense your sneaker wear yeah. um, even like red carpet you'll you've been to big events and yeah, uh, yeah. Tux and Jordans yeah I know yeah how many that's, pairs of shoes I don't know two fifty okay yeah not not like you're not building a shed out back for your shoes no but there's a night there's like yeah. there's like a room the size of like a, yeah like a nice um yeah you know a nice mid century elevator. <laughs> like you know enough for a fella to sit in there and pull the lever uh, for you but you know not so big that you know you, you know i gotta move stuff around sure. to like you know see the whole space chris paul and his the first house that he owned in la like made his office like a closet yeah. for his jordans yeah you know lamarcus aldridge i think built a house behind yeah. his house for his shoe but he's got like ten thousand or something. see yeah i just i, I couldn't do you collect anything else? Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, pinball machines. Okay. I guess that if you have more than one, I guess you yeah. those. That's the collecting. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. Watches. A couple. I know you. You're a watch guy, right? Yeah. 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 The I I, I don't Sam's own watch now, but I don't own any. Oh, you don't? No, I. Why did I think you were? A, I am. Well, okay. I, wait, that's. I, I went way overboard. <laughs> I went way overboard. <laughs> no, no, no. I went, I went way overboard. There's a, there's a, this, uh, there's a Franciscan pre, uh, priest that I that I read a lot, and uh-huh. he had this quote: um, "Don't let your possessions possess you." Sure. And I was at that point with my watches. Who's the who's Richard Rohr? Okay. Yeah. R- but I got to the O-H-R? point. R R O H R. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was at that point. Dave Miller and one of my my friends that I played basketball with growing up, I got to that point. He was he was Baptist. It was this is not a Franciscan, but he was ba- raised Baptist. And one day he came over to my house and brought over like a uh, shoebox full of uh, rap cassettes. And I was like, these are becoming my god, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give them to you. So I, I was like, yeah, man, bring it. That's great. Sorry about that. I'll take your three times dope <laughs> cassette. Yeah, let's do it. So Some like, people can handle it. I, I just I realized that about myself. Did you get rid I of all of them? You sell them back? I, I sold all, every one of them. That's that's yeah. amazing. How many did you? Well, I, my collection was never more than like twenty. Yeah. But I've in the last like eight or nine years, I I probably owned close to one hundred and twenty-five watches, like d- at different times. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watches. So you'd rotate them. Yeah. You'd rotate them around like Patek Philippe. I'd like rebuy watches that yeah, I yeah, so yeah. I miss that watch. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go buy it again. Yeah. It was very weird. That's just like a hunting and gather. That's you know. People without NBA contracts are doing the same thing on Pokemon Go. 
it's, I think it's something in all of us, you know, yeah. for, for what it's worth. You, yeah. you know, if you did anything, 20 is pretty modest. Like, you don't have to have... No, I mean... Imagine I, if we were in the cars. Like, Seinfeld and Leno, they have to, like... they. Like, I believe they both have, or at least, like, I think Seinfeld has, like, a whole parking structure with all his cars. So that's, I, I, you know, I leave home for a couple weeks. I come back, and, like, the, the damn Internet's out. I couldn't imagine starting a car after, yeah. hey, I want to drive this thing. I've been driven in six years. <laughs> then you go to start it, and all the old radio stations or programmed in are all gone. On that. Like, yeah, right? Just the that overhead too. of owning that. Because even, like, with watches, like, I, I own vintage Rolexes, vintage sure. Pateks. Like, yeah, yeah. I had an insurance policy for you know each individual individualized item over a certain amount yeah it was costing me a lot of money every I bet. year yeah and where would you, and and you those were those were do you have them at home like in a safe in the whole bed yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah gotcha yeah but i still i mean i still you know you wear them out and right you gotta you gotta protect your assets man. yeah i have about four i have like five watches i i, I bought i bought the, each of the nice ones right after um but like as a reward for booking a gig like that that was one two yeah, three yeah. that was that's and then it became pinball machines cameras i have a, I have a, a lot of you know like uh film uh cameras um but it's all the majority of it is all stuff i use that's why i look at the sneakers and i'm kind of like oh i'm gonna have to do a, a um i'm gonna give some of these away i i you know um so if you know a good charity that takes shoes uh, especially unused jordan size 12 they could get a real big windfall. <laughs> I feel like there's a distinction between though, like someone who is like a collector, like a mm-hmm. hoarder, mm-hmm. and then someone like who's like really intentional about curating a lifestyle. If that makes sense, I'm closer to that. I okay, hundred percent. Right, 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 right. No, like my like the pinball machines. I yeah. had a very, like I yeah. did research. I would go play them. Yeah. I, I mean, I know who designed them. I, you know, it, for for me, it's all it's 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 just. It's the same thing that wanted to be a blue man group. If I were to be honest with you and self-reflective, like it's the exact same quirk personality. Like, uh, it's like, oh, I love this as much as I can without being actually, you know, you um, making a living at it, you know. But yeah. I love it, and and it's part of my. It's, I want it to be part of my life, so I'm gonna surround myself with it, and 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 um, and immerse myself in it. And then figure out, and then whatever whatever's meant to be and come from it will continue with me throughout throughout the rest of my life. Um, I, I just wish I would have had the same, and will follow this instinct when it comes to the fucking piano because I would think it'd be neat as hell to be able to play the piano well. But I, for, for some reason, no, it's pinball, and, you know, loading a thirty-five millimeter camera, winding a vintage watch in reverse because the pin was put in all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how to do that stuff really well. I can sit at a piano, I can't do shit, and yet yeah. that would be the most impressive of, of any of them. Hang tight. We'll have more with Jason Sudeikis after this quick break. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. So does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they are more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. Score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. And now back to my conversation with Jason. 
there's a <clears throat> sorry I'm gonna change gears please I'm trying to remember where you said this but um <laughs> I, love I think it's on it the was, back of your receipt oh, from Blackberry yeah, Farm so uh, I don't have paper in my house yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I, this is what I do every time so I write my initial notes like yeah. I just I'm, I'm a you know I'm chicken scratch man yeah. I just scribble them down that's, that's half and I wrote my initial notes yeah like yesterday and then I found this today and the notepad was gone and so I was like, all right. Oh, okay. So I was going through my house trying to find paper. <laughs> and we just got back from Blackberry Farm on I, Sunday I for tell. All-Star break. Yeah. How about that? Congrats. I'm not, I'm not going to show you the balance there. Yeah, I've heard about that We place. had some nice wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and jazz. Wine and jazz. <laughs> jazz? Not, have not you been cheap. to Blackberry Farm, by the way? No, I've heard about it. You That's in Lake go. Virginia or something like it's, that? It's uh, outside Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay, Basically, Tennessee, the, right. like the base of the Smoky Mountain National yeah, yeah. Park. It's right. It's a special place, man. That's what I hear. I've heard that. Special place. Um, no, so in the in the uh, Rolling Stone article that I read, mm-hmm. you talked about uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, you know, essentially the fear of being exposed as a fraud. You said <laughs> something like, "Are they going to find me out?" Yeah. This was while I believe you were at SNL. Mm-hmm. This is your writing for SNL at the time when yeah, you were, yeah. when you were kind of feeling this. Yeah. Um, do you, Do you still feel that? Ever? Yeah. I think it's in the back of my brain at all times. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason, like, why I personally try to make good choices and try to do a, doing making like a choice to do something or work on something or 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 um, you know or work at something uh, is is a hundred percent intentional, and I know that it's hard for me to half-ass it. Yeah, it's one of the neat things coming from having a background in athletics is that uh, you know it, I talk about this with people in, the, in like in the performing arts that you sort of end up having this Greek chorus in in your head of the people again as you're rolling through life that you just kind of accumulated that you want to like the stuff you do whether it be you know family members or your best friends or a teacher or a mentor you had or a coach or something like that and I've got a couple of coaches in my head that even though they didn't coach me in the the way of you know yes anding or or you know re- reacting on camera or something like that there's still part of my, my DNA, part of my spine that I, that I, I hear them. So like the hard work that they were always, you know, harping on me to do is a lot harder in as an 18 year old athlete than it is as a 42 year old actor. <laughs> like for, like if I worked an eighth of the amount I did as an athlete, then I'd be about where I am now. That's about what I do. <laughs> so, so it's still harder work than, yeah. than people are, people are surprised by, but it's, it's uh but yeah, and I think that that's all there because I don't want to like let myself down or like not live up to the. You don't want to let people down that have hired you because they, they, yeah, they yeah. make good money and, yeah. and it. Uh, yeah, you want to do a good job by them, be a, you know, be a nice person. Do any of do. these? Do any of these characteristics like? Do they do they resonate with you? Perfectionism, overworking, undermining your own success, fear of failure. What is this Virgo? Am I discounting <laughs> praise? <laughs> discounting praise towards you? Sure. I, yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, why do no, you ask? I've never heard of this before, and t- until I read this article, and when you mentioned, I've never heard of imposter syndrome, and something clicked where I'm like, oh, yeah, I might have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it to was, be clear, it's not, it's not a, uh, an actually like, it's not a recognized like disease by the, the American know, mental association. Whatever, yeah, we don't get a parking space. I know, <laughs> bud. Tell it's me, it's not a real no. thing. But, <laughs> but apparently, like, it's I'm an like, imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. The imposter syndrome is an imposter syndrome. Yeah, How exactly. about that? Yeah. It's not real, but it is real. <laughs> No, I remember uh, Ayala Cohen said it, uh, said it, um, told me the phrase. She was um, worked in the talent department at SNL when I first started. Oh, I started okay, as that's a writer, you heard it first. and that's yeah, that's yeah. where where I was like, you might be feeling a little bit like the imposter syndrome. Um, now, how she knew it, I I, I don't know, but um, 
but but that's I, I'm 95% sure that's where I heard it. But it was at SNL, and that's where that's where I felt it. But but it felt familiar. Where I was like, oh yeah, because especially that place. There's, you know, heroes of mine were, were like, uh, you know, have auditioned or written for that show for either a limited time or not at all. And so, yeah, you can't help but feel like, oh, well, how am I? I mean, they're, they're them and I'm just me, like, you know, and so there's that. And so that, there's that part of you like, oh, I want to become me with capital letters. And so there's that part of you, you know, whatever, that part of, of like, you know, desirable element of ego that might be pushing me to go a little bit to do more than I think I can. Right. That's why, you know, coaches and mentors, people that see, I've always had a good coach, someone that sees more in you than you maybe sure. can yourself. Yeah. And so there are a lot of those through, yeah. through both things. The athletics ones I didn't listen to as much because, again, I knew I wasn't going to do that for a living. <laughs> At some point I'm like, nah, I'm not going to hustle. I'm, I'm not going to take that charge. That guy's twice my size. Give me a break. What, I get a Coke? I get a Coke and I get kneed in the fucking chin and balls? He's going <laughs> for a layup? That's a big kid. I'm not getting away with that guy. No way. Uh-uh. Did you take charges? You guys. I still do, unfortunately. (sighs) Unfortunately. That's in the pros, too. It's good because you you get basically two things are going to happen. Yeah. You're going to either get need in in the groin area uh, as the guy kind of goes up. Yep. Um, or you're gonna you're gonna fall right on like your sacrum, right on your your, your lower backbone. And what about every day? Every day, right before tip off. And I know that, and I, I ask this because the, you know we ask a lot of questions always, and we ask for advice, or we give advice based on our own experiences. Do you worry about becoming a gif, a negative gif, you know, someone dunking on you in in today's day and age? Yeah, all the it's time. inevitable, right? <laughs> and I think every guy has it in the back of her mind. I know because the first it thing used we to be do when we get no, the first thing we do every every player in the NBA, yep. first thing you do either. Whatever you look at your phone, whether it's in the locker room, yep. bus, plane, whatever, right, right. it's you go to House of Highlights. Exactly. What happened? That's, I started tonight. falling because yeah, of you, you talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally started You go to House of Highlights yep. and, and you just see like oh, the most shit. Did they get me? Did I get gift? Before I played in the, in the, the Celebrity All-Star game in Toronto a couple years ago, on the flight up there, I got nervous. And I was like, what the fuck? why am I nervous? And I realized, oh, I'm just nervous about getting crossed over or like getting whatever, dunked on or something like that. Like, because I have gifts in my head of those moments happening throughout my yes. life with Tyrone Liu or as fellow Brian Merchant. I remember him dunking on me so hard at the Athletic Club of Overland Park, and I just stayed down like I was hurt because I didn't want to hear it. I just stayed down like, oh, uh, and so nobody could be like, oh, they were just like, oh, everybody it went like, ah, oh, shit, you okay, dude? It's like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, that was instantly, it's like, I get why people flop. It's mostly just so they don't get gift. The, the the best one is when a guy will get crossed over yeah. and fall. Yeah. And then he'll go to the ref and point and be like, the floor is wet. That's why I fell. I had I had a season. I think it was 2011. It was when I was in Orlando. It was one of my like fourth or fifth year in Orlando. I, I got crossed over twice in a week oh. in the span of like three games and fell both times. It was on YouTube. But yeah. There was no Instagram then. That's different. Instagram, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. I, I literally, like, just the idea of becoming, like, a GIF, like, seven connected frames that people can <laughs> text to one another, <laughs> be like, oh, man, swing and a miss, like, does any time, you know, something bad happen, like, the crying Jordan meme, like, good lord, that guy, that guy's all four fellas on Mount Rushmore and one athlete, and, like, that crying memes is, there's a whole generation that mostly knows that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I've had some friends that have done the, the SNL parties. Like you've gone to them and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, like sure. they're, you know, they're like a thing of legend. Yes. And especially yeah. like season finale. I've had, I think, I don't know if it's Blake or somebody I know mm-hmm. went to one of them. 
And where do they rank on this? Just overhyped, underhyped, properly hyped? Um, are they as good as everybody yeah. says they are? What makes them good? I think what makes them good is the same thing that makes SNL in, like good or like interesting or like is the potential of it. Like it, it's it's you know SNL is live and the parties are live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like like, like yeah. alive. Like, you never know who's gonna walk in there. It's gonna be like like oh Joe Biden and you know like. Yeah, you know, Julius Irving just showed up. Together? I don't know, I think. I don't know. You know, like, you just don't know who's going to show up. Uh, and sometimes there's people under 70. Uh, but, like, uh, <laughs> there's... Um, but I, I, And, yeah, the, the finales are always fascinating because, yeah, people come to play in regards to um, music, music yeah. but then also just in, in general, you know, you're going to, you're going to get to see Lauren, you know, probably have, have, a, have a, uh, a few pops and then out on the dance floor. And anytime you get to see your boss dance, you know, it's like yeah. fascinating. Um, Do you still go occasionally to, to the, to the parties? I probably, get, parties, uh, not so much. I'll go, I'll take Otis. Uh, Otis is going up to see certain musical guests on Thursdays, like because yeah. we'll do sound check. Sure. Like he loves Bruno Mars and Chance the Rapper, so we we went up there saw Mumford and Sons. Took him to see D'Angelo. That was the first one. It was like, I, look, that was for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but that's been fun taking him up there. Uh, but and then we'll go to maybe one or two live shows a year. I mean, best seeing the house, watching it at home. You know, yeah. if we have friends in town or something, yeah. it's a fun thing to take people to and and see. Um, but yeah, the most part. But I was never uh, finales for me. Goodbyes in general are, are, aren't, aren't really. I'm not great at them. Never have been. Uh, I should probably work on that and, and get better at them instead of thinking it's romantic to not be. But so be it. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're. I think they're. They're properly hyped. I mean, like anything, you know, they, it becomes a work party mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, if you've been there for, for a long, long time. Yeah. But, and it, and, it, and it can be, and they can definitely, um, you know, like, like, like after, like, you know, think about those bus trips, like it, coming home from the other yeah. high school after a loss. Yeah. Like if you didn't play, like if I didn't do anything in the yeah. show, if I, if if, the, if it was a great show and I didn't do anything in the show, that I mean that 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 just hurts your heart, you know. That's like yeah. that's like riding the pine, and you know. Yeah. And ah, wish I was out there, but whatever. I you know. I was trying to think of like an equivalent for us, and it's like there's really only one time we would ever have something like that, and it would be if we're playing a playoff game, right? An elimination playoff game on mm-hmm. the road. Yes. And that plane ride back would be our yeah. season finale exactly. party. It's the only time because it's just it's unrealistic to get like fifteen guys. Oh yeah, yeah. to you know in the off season like get to get like it just it doesn't no. I, or I take that, but the second scenario would be if you if you win a championship. Well, like, yeah, you're yeah, gonna I assume. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, gonna, gonna have the parade. I've seen. Yeah, you're gonna have a parade, and you know that starts around two, so you're drinking <laughs> at one. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, I. I th- it's just a part of the culture. I mean, I'm sure back in the '70s, just like the the schedule is probably a ve- all a vestige from like you know when cocaine was like a co writer <laughs> <laughs> on, on the show. Uh, now it's more you know caffeine, uh, you know for better or worse. Hey, cocaine was a big part of the NBA in the 90s. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah, it, was just yeah. it was just a yeah. thing. It was around that um, that yeah the parties. The, the, uh, my philosophy was always like, well, you work you work hard all week. You might as well you might as well you know. Party, party out that that hard. The, the The hardest thing is once you get going, once you sort of be, you've done it for a few years, you become like a grown man. You're just like, you're like, oh, I, I, I need to get up like at eleven on Sunday. I can't get up at four. You know, I've got 
Yeah. I got things I got to do. I got, you know, whatever I got to email, you know, emails I got to go through, whatever. Wait, Just when adult can you shit. sleep till 11 though? You sleep till 11? Well, no, this was back when I was oh, at SNL. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, you know, okay, my, yeah, my yeah, schedule yeah. for a good 15 yeah. years was going to bed at 4 a.m. waking up at noon. Like I, yeah. I had hacked the system uh, there for a while, but yeah, no, yeah. it's, uh, but no movies and then uh, non-SNL, non-theater, not, uh, and then kids, obviously those, those three components. Yeah, it's, it's an early... I'm like a 5:30 guy at this point in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, the, the 18 month old because we have how are I think they? I th- they're exactly two years apart. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're like two and a half years. August 24th, August 26th. Was it the boy or girl? The second one. Both boys. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the, the youngest, like he's he's like he could sleep in till 6:45. Uh-huh. That's sleeping in. That's phenomenal. Uh-huh. Like we're anything past yeah. 6:30, and we're ecstatic. Yeah. Otis, Otis, like Otis is a but sleeper. He, he's, he'll, he'll get up 4:50 uh, sometimes. Yeah, that's not cool. How do they deal yeah. with the um, the moving here? Um, it's so, weird. I mean, that, you're in the middle of it. Yeah, it's, it's only a quarter they, of the My wife came with them in, mm-hmm. in March, yeah. so before last season ended. Gotcha. And um, so the, the oldest says to us all the time, I don't know how he knows this, but he's like, I miss L.A. I miss California. I miss Manhattan Beach. I miss mm. he, I miss Ruth, his, his nanny <laughs> yeah. there. I was oh, like, man. oh, God, that breaks yeah. my heart. Yeah. Uh, the other kid was like six. He doesn't remember. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's yeah. just, and he's a maniac. He's yeah. the, we call him Kaizilla. His name's Kai, Kaizilla. <laughs> He's the destroyer. He's the destroyer. Daisy's like I call we call Daisy Crazy Daisy. Like she's, she, she'll jump in the pool. Otis Otis will like need two noodles and be very measured. And he's very much like me getting into any pool. It takes me about thirty minutes because it's just cold around your belly. But then Daisy just like yeah, it's so cute. It's so great. I'm like oh, keep it, girl. Keep it. Keep it as long as you can. Uh, but yeah, it's. Two is a big jump, though. I like. I'm two kids. Yeah, two yeah. is a big jump. My favorite joke that I've been telling a lot, and I, I should, I gotta look it up. I keep saying it. every time after I say it. But someone said this to me. I can't remember who it was. It may have even been on a show. But having two kid, having a second kid, when people ask you, as I'm sure that people are asking you all the time now too, is like, it's like, oh, it's like you're drowning. Having a second child is like uh, as if you were drowning in the ocean, um, and then someone threw you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're well past an hour. Thank that you. That is it. There you go. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Before we go, I wanted to mention it's Jordan LeBron week at the Ringer. The question of Jordan or LeBron may live on for longer than they do. All this week, the Ringer is celebrating and examining the impact of two of the most influential players in basketball history with articles, podcasts, and videos. So make sure to head over to theringer.com to check it out. My vote is LeBron. I've said it before, he's the greatest player of all time. If he retired today, he is the greatest player of all time. As always, if you have suggestions or comments about the show, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at JJ Reddick. We're off next week, but we'll be back in March with celebrity chef Grant Ackett's. Until then, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to give us a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it.